0: Welcome to the World Harvest Church podcast channel. We hope you enjoy this message. Father, we thank you for your word. It's the lamp. It's the light. We turn it on this morning. It's forever showing us the right path, the way to go. We've come to receive our instruction, direction, correction. Our hearts are open and turned towards you. And Father, we thank you for that fresh, new, and extraordinary hunger for your word and to know you and the power of your resurrection that lives and dwells and moves among us in this place. And Father, we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that are ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. We want to remind you the book of the month for December, and I think we'll make it the book of the month for January. It's, um, it's a little bit thicker than normal, what we normally are normal size. Uh, love the Way to Victory, this is Dad Hagen's book. Uh, one of the best books ever written. It will so bless you to read this book. I, I can't read it to you, or I would, uh, but we, we won't do that in the services, but I trust that you're feeding on this already. If you don't have a copy, please pick one up at the bookstore. It will uh, it, It's gonna straighten out some thinking, set some paths on course, uh, because there is nothing that gets you off the plan of God faster than losing your love. <laughs> Uh, there's nothing that pulls away the blessing uh, from your life and hinders the flow of the blessing faster than uh, your love walk and, and losing and stepping out of that place of love and away from that place of love. And really, when we step out of love, oftentimes it's because we're deceived into to thinking something that, that was there is not really there. Uh, or we're allowing ourselves to listen to a voice that should have never been, been allowed to be spoken in our ear to begin with, amen? So he helps us with this, all, all the different um, chapters, the characteristics of love. He even talks about the benefits of love and uh, how for important forgiveness is in walking in love, that uh, we can't l- walk in love without also forgiving and forgetting <laughs> uh, ourselves, and other people. Amen. So that book is out there, and we want to be feeding on that. Um, I had been, have been myself, uh, had that book out for quite some time. So just feed with me. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 10. We, uh, we started here two weeks ago, and I, I was not able to complete everything in this sermon. We had to leave to go to Merced. And then we took a brief intermission that wasn't too far off the topic target last week, uh, and talked about um, offense and what it looked like, what it sounded like. And so we're going to take these two and maybe kind of blend them together because it just seems to me we're just going to stay on it because we need our faith to work effectively. We don't want faith to come and not be able to go. right? I need faith to come. I need faith to be able to hear faith, but I need faith to be able to be released without any hindrances, without any difficulty, without anything, uh, holding it back. I need to be able uh, to be where nothing in my life is going to take that flow of faith and derail it. Amen. Romans chapter 10. And let's start here. In verse eight, but what does it say? The word God's message. I'm reading out of the Amplified Classic. The word God's message in Christ is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the word, the message, the basis and object of faith which we preach. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and in your heart believe, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the truth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, adheres to trust in and relies on Christ, and is so justified, declared righteous, acceptable to God, and with the mouth he confesses, declares openly and speaks out freely his faith, and confirms his salvation. I, I love this word, I was meditating on this, confirms his salvation. Um, it's a holiday season and, and you may be placing, you know, orders online or, or you, you are gathering up gifts and different things. And how many of you have, you're making reservations for things. And, uh, of course you, you may be taking a vacation and you need to confirm plans, right? What about confirming plans with loved ones? kind of make general plans, and then you never really, you, you call them, what are you saying? I'm calling to confirm, right? It's like me this morning, I needed to call somebody to confirm that the kids were singing over in uh, the, the, you know, you, the Sundays go so fast, you go, oh, it's that Sunday. You know, kids have music practice, right? How many of you, in tra- you know, you got kids in trailblazers, and you go, oh my gosh, it's that Sunday. Um, so you sometimes have to call and confirm. Uh, it doesn't mean that I'm trying to make that happen. I'm just calling to confirm that what was already planned is still in place. It's more for me. This is what I love about this scripture. It says here that when we confess, declare openly and speak out freely what I'm believing and confirm my salvation, I'm not trying to get something. I'm not trying to plan something. I'm simply confirming what's already waiting for me. That's what confession is. It's simply a confirmation. So when I say, Father, I thank you for the increase that you have. I thank you for the blessings that you have. I thank you for the health that you have. What am I doing? I'm not trying to get health. I'm just simply confirming what's already been provided. I'm confirming my salvation. I'm not trying to get salvation, I'm confirming it. Hey, I'm just calling to confirm that that reservation that we had, uh, I'm calling to confirm that, that that order went through. i like to email to confirm uh, that, that you received this you know, bit of information. We all confirm things, we confirm. Wives, how many times do we have to confirm plans? with our husbands, it's true. And you do it time and time again, over the same event, I'm just confirmed. It's not lies, it's not lies, it's not lies. You look nice today, but you don't have the microphone. (laughs) Wives, how many times have you heard you never told me? Work it out. Work it out. Never told me. The thing is, this is a general issue, not a specific one. So I'm just speaking generally. So what do we do? Because we love them and we love our marriage. We confirm Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We just confirm, right? I started having Joel keep a calendar in his office, right? Just to help my marriage. It's, Just keep the calendar and write it. You know, let him look at it like on a you know visual. Why? Because I'm not saying that I made new plans or I changed anything. God never changes His mind about you. Never changes His plan. He always has plans for you to prosper. Uh, live in health, increase, have a mind that's prospering, a a bank account that's overflowing, a, a body full of health, full of life, full of youth, full of vitality. So what is our confession? It's simply us confirming every day plans that have been made. It's just, I am confirming plans. God, I am confirming with you the plans that you have for me. So when we forget to confess or we we are negligent in our confession, it's not that we're not getting something from God and we beat ourselves up. I forgot to confess this. No, it's not that. We're just simply confirming what's already ours. Get back up on your confirmation right? You know, it's been a while since I've confirmed these plans. God, I thank you. I'm going to come into your presence. I'm going to come in with thanksgiving and with praise. And I'm just confirming with you that the plans you have for me are good and not evil. Plans of prosper, plans of health. Don't look at confession as a to-do list. Look at it as, I'm just confirming what he's already done. So this is what this is saying, that when we confess with our lips, we're just simply confirming our salvation, amen? Amen. Verse 11, that's not the the sermon this morning. Anyway, so let's (laughs) move forward, not the sermon. The scripture says, no man who believes in him who adheres to relies and trusts in him will ever be put to shame, ever, or disappointed. So anytime you put all your trust in God it's not like the stock market. It's it's not like those uh, uh an investment that you're not quite sure the outcome. There you don't gamble with Christ. I I don't gamble on Jesus. He is a sure bet every time. Amen. Uh No man, the scripture says, no man who believes in him, who adheres to lies and trusts him will ever be put to shame or disappointed. No one, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord over all of us. And he generously bestows his riches upon all who call upon him in faith. There you go. There's a a confirming confession. God, I'm just Confirming that you generously bestow your riches upon all those who call on you in faith. So I call on you in faith right now. I trust in you. I will never be put to shame, disappointed, let down, uh, discouraged, (laughs) despondent, confused. I'm never confused, God. Never confused on your plan. Verse 13, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord invoking him as Lord will be saved. But how are people to call upon him who they have not believed in, in whom they have no faith, on whom they have no reliance? How are they to believe in him who adhere to, trust in, and rely on him, upon him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? And how can men be expected to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings. How welcome is the coming of those who preach the good news of his good good things. But they have not all heeded the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed, had faith in what he has heard from us? So faith comes by hearing what is told and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that comes from the lips of Christ, the Messiah himself. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For the scripture says their voice, that of nature bearing God's message has gone out to all the earth and their words to the far bounds of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? Did the Jews have no warning that the gospel was to go forth to the Gentiles, to all the earth? First, there is Moses who says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown, revealed myself to those who did not consciously ask for me. But if Israel says all day long, I've stretched out my hands to the people unyielding and disobedient, and self-willed to fault-finding contrary and contradicting people. We, um, we want to look here at this passage as we have before. And I, I had said this uh, in the previous message that you weren't, Looking always, those of you who, let's just say this, those of you who were not born into a household of faith, you weren't necessarily looking for God. No, you know, a lot of times people say, don't say, I was looking for God. We were looking oftentimes for something we didn't have. You know, we were desperate. We were, we needed joy. We needed peace. We needed love. We, we needed acceptance. We needed something that we didn't, we weren't getting in life. And this is why we are never hard or critical of those who don't know Jesus and how they live their life. We can call it ungodly, but you don't wanna be so critical because they're looking for the same thing that you once were. They just don't know. How will they know if they don't hear the preacher? And how will the preacher go if they're not sent? And how beautiful are the ones who bring that message that came to you, amen? So, we're not, we're not critical, we're not harsh in, in our criticism and in our thinking, but we also call wrong, wrong, we call right, right? But we have to remember that the gospel of salvation is for them. The good news is for them just as it was for you. But you weren't necessarily looking for God, you were looking for an answer. I just need an answer. I'm struggling. Maybe you've had, there, there was a time you didn't have a job. You, you had a failed marriage. Your um, your income, you realize I'm not getting any further. Something's always eating up my money. My health is suffering continually. And somebody brought you the good news. And he said, that's it. That's for me. Yeah. And what did you find in looking for the answer you needed? You found God. Yeah. You found a savior. You found a father. You didn't just find uh, a need met. You found one who cares more about you than you even realize you cared about your own life. Somebody that was so willing to send somebody to die that even when you had mental illness, depression, oppression, causing harm maybe to your own body because you didn't care enough about it, somebody sent their son that their body may be broken so that yours could be made whole. What did you find? You found God. But you weren't necessarily looking for him. And he says, I came to a people and they didn't want me. So I went looking for you. That's who I was looking for. I was looking for you. He sought you out. Amen. Um, I mean, it's, I was thinking about this this morning and I was meditating on this. I mean, it's that same thrill. When you realize and you recognize in young people who are born in the church, raised in the church, you say, well, he didn't seek me out. I was born into this. That's, that's quite uh, contrary to the truth. He sought out your parents because he was thinking about you. God is the author of every seed and he placed you, placed your spirit within the seed of your parents. So he wasn't just thinking of them and that you're by default by their choice here. That choice that they made was only Uh, uh, only thinking of, not just thinking only of them, it was thinking of you. So don't ever think I'm here because my mom and dad's choice to be here, because of a family member's choice, and I don't have a choice but to be here. That's, That's not true. You have to answer that thought. Your choice was not taken from you. Your choice was actually given to you. This is a deception. My choice was taken from me. Now, if I don't want to be at the church, if I don't want to fulfill the plan of God, then, uh, you know, if if I'm forced to be here, my choice is taken from me. No, that choice was given to you. You can choose that wholeheartedly and realize that God was seeing past two people to get to you. He saw past your parents to get to you. Amen. Amen. So we've got to think correctly about how he sought us out. Well, you know, I don't have any, my parents didn't give me any choice blood to serve. Okay. (laughs) That's how you're going to see it. You're going to miss and lose out on all the blessing that was, was talked about in this. Parents... Help them, you know, you, you we can help our, our, our children's thinking and that we don't control their thinking, but we direct them to God's thinking. That we let them know he's got thoughts for you. My, my thoughts are in line, honey, my thoughts are in line with the word of God, but these didn't originate with me. These are my thoughts for your life, but they're also God's thoughts. It's not, not just me trying to tell you how to think. This is how God has shown us and I'm just helping you to, to bring you back to God's thoughts for your life. Amen? Amen? But we were looking for something. We were searching. I mean, how many of you looked for, now, some of you may not, this may not, Pastor Nancy, I can tell you this does not pertain to her whatsoever. But I'll go look for a snack, you know, and, and you go in and you forget there's leftovers it's like, I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for a snack. And when you find those leftovers, you're like, oh my gosh. Yes. Y'all know that feeling? Yes. Is it just me? No. No? no. Can we do a show of hands, please? Show of hands? It's a good bit. You go, I didn't realize you were looking for a snack and you got a whole meal? Yeah. <sighs> yes. we have this discussion all the time freshly cooked or next day (laughs) um you know you you may have been looking for just one thing that you needed but you got God the whole meal the whole thing the whole thing everything you're ever gonna need. You got that. You looked for that one thing. You sought out that one thing that you didn't have and you ended up with the whole, you found the whole thing. I found everything I will ever need, everything my heart will ever desire. He has quenched every, uh, every craving, every desire I've ever had. I see in his word, he will fulfill that. He satisfies me with good things. Not just one thing, he said good things, plural, amen? amen? But he sought you out to give you that, amen? So in this passage, we see he pursued a people. Some rejected, so he said, I'm gonna pursue ones who will receive me, amen? Um, again, young people, and I, I, I guess I feel I can talk a little bit more frankly with those that were maybe born and raised in the church that don't know another way of life, um, but you never see, I, I've, at least I haven't, maybe you can say differently, but especially those um, now with, with social media, you can see people, all kinds of lifestyles that people live. Um, and I, I've never seen a, a wealthy child, someone born into wealth, you know, wealthy family um complain about the wealth that they were born into, right? I mean you you never they're going to use it. Yeah. You you've never seen them really consciously say, "Well, I lost my choice to be poor. So, I'm going to choose this poverty lifestyle because we would think they were crazy now, but you just you don't see that." Do you? You don't see a young person uh, or a, a teenager or a, someone in their 20s, what do they do? They realize, I got a head start. I got something other people don't have. And what do they do? They use it to their advantage. This is how you see a wealth of in Christ's life that now you were born into something instead of seeing you lost out on something and believing some lie you know that the enemy's going to tell you you lost a choice to do what you want now everybody's pushing god's plan you've lost out uh, wait a second um, I am no more when it when the Bible shows me we just read it in, in, in the offering time it's the power he gives me the power to get wealth I've been born. Yeah. I've been born the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've been born into a position to rule and reign in life. Why would I ever choose to say, you know what? Uh, my choice to be broke and sinful and you know, struggle in life and end up in the street, I wish that choice would have been given to me. Just as we would think it foolish of somebody born into a wealthy home, a life of privilege. My goodness, this is a life of privilege. You have to see it as the privilege that it is. Because he said they rejected me, but I pursued you. It's a privilege that God, uh, that reigns above all else, that created the heavens and the earth, looked past your parents and those two people, and said, "I've got to put this person in their, the the seed of their life, and I'm looking to reach them." We can we can easily, and I'm not coming down hard, but I'm being. I want to be really frank. I want to be really plain. Because with everything out there, social media and all that stuff, it's so in your face to go and do and choose what you will. Yeah. Yeah. Choose what you want. Yeah. Choose the plan that, that, that you want. And so we never see a, a wealthy, someone born into wealth. It's, it, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that or known of that. And they come out publicly and declare, bless God, I can do it better my way. No, what do they do? They take their parents' money <laughs> and they, they use that Right, There's nothing wrong with that, but they're going to use that to get them ahead. You're ahead. You're ahead. Because of the word, you're ahead. Not because of something. It's because of the word of God and the wealth that's in the word, you're ahead. Amen? They may have to work for their own portion if their parents are smart, but they still had a head start. Go to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Well, I just want to be who I want to be. You wouldn't even be. (laughs) You would not be here or be able to be being if it wasn't for him. If it wasn't for him. My my parents got married before they had given their life to God um, and got their life, you know, they were not serving God in any way, shape, or form, and so they got married uh, without that. So you say, well, how did God... Um, You know, look at if they got married and they weren't even saved, and how did God work that plan? I don't know, but that's the miracle of what God can do with two people who aren't saved, who get married, and now their life looks totally different on the path to divorce, and their life looks totally different. Why? Because of this message that we're going to talk about this morning, and that is they protected their place of hearing that put their life and their children's lives back together and nothing is going to tear them away from that place. Amen? Amen. Amen. We talked about two weeks ago, protecting the place of your hearing. And this is what this scripture says. Faith, we receive faith by hearing. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six. But without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him he is not pleased or satisfied with what we do without faith so whatever you can do without faith god will never be pleased or satisfied with it so if you're having to do something without if you say i can do this without faith you know I was pastors so wonderfully taught us, even those of us who see, you know, the times when we're home and we're taking care of children and we're doing laundry or, you know, Dad, you're going to work and you're driving and you're, you're faithful because, you know, God blessed you with that job and you get up every day and you say, you know what? I, I can acknowledge even in the mundane, God's power and his, his grace and his ability is on me to do this. That's doing the everyday ordinary mindful and aware of the presence of the power of God and the grace of God and the goodness of God. Amen. That's doing it by faith. So you can do everything by faith. You can wash your dishes by faith. How do we do that? Thank you, Father. I got dishes to wash. Thank you, Father. I've got a place to wash them. (laughs) Thank you, Father, I got a fork to put to my mouth. Even if it's only one, I thank you, Father. <laughs> because there was a time that I maybe was in a position that, that that could have been taken. I could have been in jail, using somebody else's fork. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you said that a little loud, Dee <laughs> I always recognizing, and that's doing everything by faith acknowledging him. Remember we said confirming. Just confirming. This is from you. God, I'm just confirming. You've blessed me. You've prospered me. You've increased me. I can see a difference in my life. But what do we do? We've got to protect that place where faith comes. The most important thing then is faith that pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please or be satisfactory to him. So we've got to protect the place where faith comes. Um, God is satisfied with faith because it allows him his greatest desire to be fulfilled, and that is taking care of his family. That's why faith is so important to God, your full trust and reliance, because it allows him to be everything he wanted to be, and that was a father to a family and take care of you. Faith allows God to be who he wants to be to you, and it causes you to be the best he's made you to be. That's the divine exchange of faith. When I walk in faith, when I talk in faith, when I wake up in faith, when I do every day, every day, every task in faith, I'm rising to the highest place and the best place, making me the best he has for me. But it also gives him permission to be the best he can be to you. I wanna allow God to be the best, be at his best, doing his best. And that's what faith allows. It opens that door for him. to. You say, God, not my way. I can't do it without you. I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your help, your ability. I need your resources. I need your open doors. I need these things, and I can't do it myself. So I look to you. And what does he say? I'm at my best now. Providing is what he does best. Protecting, healing, supplying. Amen? Amen. Then, if we go over to Romans, look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. This is the way we should live. So it's so important uh, if we're going to learn how to live that we protect the place that we're going to learn how to live. Now, we, <clears throat> I want you, if you're writing anything down, as, as Stephen always says, Brother Jesse says, write this down. If you're going to write it down, write write something down, write this down. There's two things we can do to guard the place of hearing and how engaged we are in this place, because it matters our participation. But these two things are number one, to protect the place of hearing, and number two, to participate in the place of hearing. This is how we honor the place and we honor faith in our lives. We got to protect it, and we've got to participate Protect your place of hearing and participate in your place of hearing, just as we would protect an investment. How invested are you in your place of hearing? We all invest in what we find most valuable and most important, don't we? We all invest and put time. What is investing? Time, resources, thought, right? Effort. That's how we invest. That's how we participate in what we find most valuable. As I guard the place of the word coming into my life, this is the place that the word comes into our life. As we're guarding the place of our hearing and guarding that place that the word comes into our life, it allows the word to guard and protect us. And oftentimes we run into circumstances and situations and because we've been a little bit careless or loose with the place of hearing and loose with our hearing, casual with our hearing, or willing to listen to another voice, I'm not even talking about a person, just entertaining, right? Something that would damage our place of hearing, damage uh, and, and not protecting and guarding Where our safe place of hearing is, why? Because what we hear, we will have faith in. Faith pleases God, and the just shall live by faith. I'm really protecting my way of life. When I protect this place, when I protect who I'm hearing from, when I protect my ears and what they hear, then I'm protecting my highest way of life. The just shall live by faith. Don't look at it as just a habit of what we do, although that's what it is, protecting your place of hearing is protecting your highest way of living. I don't care what the enemy offers you, what another man offers you, how high of a living it looks like, how, how wonderful and how much it seems to offer you. When it says the just shall live by faith, that's my highest flow of living. So I need to protect where I hear faith, where faith comes, where impartations of faith are given. I've got to protect and participate in that. Amen. So let's look at we looked at three these three examples. Let's go back and look. Um, Mark chapter 10, real quick, Mark chapter 10. and then we'll we'll get into what we. Did not last time. Mark chapter 10. Some of these things are new, some are not. We're we're revisiting. Mark chapter 10. And we looked at three examples of the power of hearing. The power of hearing. Mark chapter 10. And at verse 46, and they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus sat by the highway side begging. And when he, what's that word? Heard, let's say it together, heard. That's simple. The disciples didn't come and lay hands on him. Nobody had touched him. Nobody laid hands on him. Nobody had given him an extra bit of money and carried him to a crusade. He was in the same place as he was every single day, but one day he heard. That shows you from week to week, Sunday to Sunday, Tuesday to Tuesday, meeting to meeting, it takes one hearing. That's it, one hearing, one hearing. If we come casual, even to one service, what would we have missed? The impartation, the revelation, and a transformation that in that one hearing was our miracle. It said he heard. It didn't say he kept hearing. It said he heard. That denotes one time. He heard that Jesus. He heard somebody said, Jesus is passing by. And he must have knew just one thing. One thing. Maybe they said, hey, this Jesus is passing by. And he hears somebody over. He can't see them. Remember, he can't see. He didn't see Jesus raise, him from, but some, you know, raise up somebody from the dead. He never saw a withered hand grow out. He never saw a blind eye open. He never saw somebody come out of a wheelchair or off crutches. He never saw somebody uh, uh, who was bent over be, be raised up and be made whole. He never saw anything. He simply had heard. That's it. And yet so often we want to see something. We're believing to see something. God, I want to see something. God, I need to see something. I'm not against seeing but here, it shows us the power of hearing. This man was blind and had never seen a miracle a day in his life. All he did was hear about a miracle. Worker, somebody with power. And his, the hearing was so powerful, he wouldn't shut up. We hear every week, and are we going home silent? Are we going home and the devil is going, would they just shut up? I mean, this we have to put ourselves. Yeah. And this is what Brother Stephen says. Put yourself in this. Yeah. Yeah. This man heard. We don't know, even know. Let's just assume he heard one time because it doesn't say he heard multiple. It said he heard and then he called out. He heard and he called out. He wouldn't shut up. And yet we hear week after week and we go home silent. Yeah. Still thinking about what we want. Still thinking about what we need. Still thinking about how are we going to get the money? Still thinking about how are we going to get past this situation? How are we going to over? We're still thinking. That's the problem. We're not speaking. We're just thinking. This is the power of hearing. It should take one hearing and we grab a hold and we are, are fervent enough. <laughs> I mean, just adamant that once we hear it, that's mine. That's mine, and this is what he did. And so he began, he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, and he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying, come unto him. Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Um, The Amplified reads, and Jesus stopped and said, call him and they called the blind man tell him, take courage, get up. He is calling you. So he wasn't even standing. He's sitting and calling. He's sitting down and shouting so much. So he wasn't even at people's ear level. You ever had somebody, you know, especially your kids and you're like, that's too loud. What do you say? Inside voices, <laughs> right? Inside voices, inside voices. loud. It's echoing. He wasn't even at standing level. The faith that was in him was so big, he didn't even need to get up. He didn't even need to stand. He just said, from this seated place that I've always been, Jesus, I know you can hear me. Faith has a sound That even when you feel paralyzed in your circumstance, if you'll make the sound of faith, you won't be there very long. You won't stay there very long. He's listening. He's listening. He had not heard faith. That's why he wasn't stopping. There was a lot of people, but he wasn't hearing faith until one man sitting on the curbside kept crying out over everybody else's chatter. (laughs) So don't get this image that he jumped up, stood up and started walking. He was right where he, same place. You don't have to see any change in your circumstances to call out in faith. Once you hear the word, that you're, that you're authorized right then. Amen. So he calls out, throwing off his outer garment. He leaped up and came to Jesus. So he heard, he spoke and he acted. And Jesus said, said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Master, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has healed you. And at once he received his sight and accompanied Jesus on the road. He said, your faith, your faith, your faith, your faith. How does faith come? Hearing. Hearing. If you're going to have faith, how are you, what are you going to have to do? Hearing. Hear." Mark chapter five, go to Mark chapter five, here's another one. We said this woman, shut up in her house, she can't leave. So you know what? She's not out going to crusades, building her faith by watching people get healed, building her faith by seeing what God is doing. She is stuck in her home according to law, spending every dime that she has So not only is she getting sicker, she's getting poor. More of a cast out. Uh, Losing more time of fellowship with people. People are forgetting about her. Talk about discouraging. People are forgetting, maybe forgetting. Why? Because she's not out in society. Now she's not even contributing. Back then, I mean, people had to work. You had to, uh, it's not like today where the Amazon Prime and it comes to you. Like you're, There's no order system back then where you have um, fast, fast food. <laughs> you have to do everything by hand. You're gonna have to cook. So people are now having to help her. Now she's having to live with the mindset of now I'm not even contributing, but I'm a burden. People are having to support me because I have no money. I have no resources. I've run out but look at what happened in verse uh, 25. A certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, had suffered many things and many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard, when she had what? Heard. Heard of Jesus, came in the press. That means when she heard of Jesus. She got out of her house, took a risk to leave her home, and got into the crowd. This was not a one-on-one encounter. She didn't catch Jesus in a time of prayer, sitting to the side, away from everybody. She had to make her way intimidated by the crowd that was around him. Just as Blind bar had to shout over the crowd, she had to push through the crowd. This shows us we're gonna have to make an effort. This isn't a casual approach. This isn't, you know, I'm just gonna sit back, maybe speak and confess a little bit, see what happens, see if this faith thing really works. They didn't have an option for it to work. Don't give yourself a way out. Don't give yourself a way out. This is my option, hearing the word, protecting the place I hear, be a participant in the place I hear, because at the hearing, I'll know what to do. Both of these people at the hearing Nobody told him, shout. Nobody told him, call out to Jesus. Nobody told her, get out of your house. What did they do when they heard? Look at this. An answer came to them. We can't take our hearing casually. Because the your mirror, you say, "I've been believing for something a long time. OK? At every opportunity to hear, there can be more clarity, more uh, direction, more adjustments, more things that He can show us. It took one hearing, and the action was revealed to them. Right? That's it. They needed one action. He needed just to get up he needed to sit there, and then as, as Jesus called to him, he just needed to get up and walk throw off that garment, but notice this, nobody told them what to do. That's what I love. They didn't even have the Holy Ghost. They didn't have the Holy Spirit helping them. They didn't have the Holy Spirit teaching them and guiding them. And I can wake up and pray in the Spirit every day and hear from God. They heard that is the power of hearing the word one time that you hear the word and all of a sudden the revelation, the light comes on, I know exactly what to do. And he, she said, that's it, I hear about Jesus. He's here now, I'm getting out of my house. I'm risking it all. And it says, she made her way through the crowd. She touched the hem of his garment. Verse 28, for she kept saying, if I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. And immediately her flow of blood was dried up at the source. And suddenly she felt in her body that she was healed of her distressing ailment. And Jesus, recognizing in himself that power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around immediately in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples kept saying to him, you see the crowd pressing hard around you from all sides, and you ask who touched me? Still he kept looking around to see her, who had done it, but the woman knowing what had been done for her, though alarmed and frightened and trembling, fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith your trust and confidence in me springing from faith in God has restored you to health. Go into peace and be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. Here is another example of where he says, your faith. She heard and she acted and he said, your faith made you whole. He didn't say my power made you whole. He didn't say, the, uh, as a savior, I made you whole. He said, your faith. What, what does it go back to? Her Her hearing led to her being whole. Now, going uh, to last one, Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. This is the power of hearing. We've got to protect and participate in our place of hearing. Watch over it. Guard it. Take it seriously. Not miss an opportunity. Luke chapter 7. Now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, verse 1, he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he had heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with him. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man, said under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, go, and he goeth, and another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel, and they that were sent returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. He had heard the people around Jesus said, hey, he built our synagogue. That's it, he built our synagogue. It Nowhere does it say he attended an evangelistic crusade of Jesus. It just said he heard of Jesus, he had heard of him. And then he said the, the hearing was so big in him, he didn't even have to go himself. He sent a servant, then he sent another servant. His authority was birthed, the spiritual authority was birthed from a place of hearing. Not a place of seeing, a place of hearing. Amen? Now, I'm gonna give you three things that you need to protect against your place of hearing. In John chapter six, and you don't have to turn there, I want you to listen in John chapter six. These are three examples of where hearing was uh, the privilege of hearing was disrupted. And um, Jesus preached. He preached, listen, he preached something that those who were following him, not fringe, those who were following him, they didn't understand. And what happened was uh, he said, verse 64, but there are some of you, Jesus said, that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that they believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore, said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the 12, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life And we notice he said, thou has words. What are words for? Hearing. They're for hearing. He said, it's your words. I've got to have your words. Who else has the words for me to hear and change my life? Who else has words? Because there's a lot of words out there. They say, a, you know, he really probably could have said, they say a lot of words in the synagogue, but nothing has compared, no religion has compared to the words I've heard out of this man's mouth. So you can come with a religious mindset to church. This is my religious obligation, my religious duty. I'm here, I'm serving. I'm a part of the ministry of helps. And yet hearing means nothing. Cause all these people were part of their synagogue. This is not like Jesus was preaching or had uh, uh, disciples following him that had never heard of any. They were not pagan worshipers. They were working for God. That tells you and shows you how we must guard ourselves. That no matter how long we've been in church, no matter how long we've served in Ministry of Health, it is very easy for us to walk away from our place of hearing just as they did when we hear something that we want to get offended over and we don't like. Number one, Protect against offense. They were offended at what Jesus said. One day it was words of life and miracles and all these wonderful things have, are happening, and the next day, but it doesn't happen that quickly because he said to them, he said, Simon Peter, uh, he said to him in verse 67 Jesus said to the 12, Will you also go away and do you too, look at this word, desire to leave me? There was a desire already in them to go. He said, do you too have a desire? Offense doesn't just show up. You don't just hear one thing one day or have something happen one day and then that's it, I'm out of here. There's a desire that builds in you over things that you get offended. One little thing here, one little thing there, one little thing there. And before you know it, you know, I could really be better off over, you know, somewhere else. We could move and do really much better living somewhere else. We could be much more successful. We could have a lot more money. We could have, what's happening? Thoughts are building a desire in you for something else. Another plan, another way. The Bible says you can't go to this city and say, yeah, I think I'm gonna live here and I'm gonna set up shop here and this is where I'm gonna be successful. It says you can't do that, you can't say that. It all goes back to the plan of God. So what happened? They got offended, they left, and it said Jesus all along knew who that was gonna be. So offense can also come at hearing. So what do you think the enemy's gonna do? He's gonna replicate and try to imitate But work his plan through offense in your life. He's going to try to take what you hear. The thing is, is when you're away from this place of hearing, he's gonna try to consume your hearing when you're not here. Through wrong thoughts, wrong fellowship. Protect and participate. So here we see they got offended and they left their place of hearing. Number, uh, go to Acts uh, 1 and 2. Acts 1 and 2. And I'm about at the 45-minute mark, so I'm going to wrap this up, Acts 1 and 2. And from here, Jesus tells them, verse 1, he said, uh, it is not, verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the season which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You should be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all the uh, Judea and Samaria and other most parts of the earth. He said, go and tarry there and wait for power to come and you'll be endued with that power. What did he do? They heard the instruction. And between Acts 1 and Acts 2, we know this, that there was three quarters that did not show up. Then not say they were offended. It just said that they didn't show up. So what can we conclude Life, busy, distracted, things got, became more important. The words of life weren't so much life anymore. They were an option. It was an option. They had an option to show up. They gave Jesus' word as optional in their life. So number two, we have to protect from being too busy and too distracted that those busy, the busyness and the distraction pulls us away from our place of hearing. Because all of us can raise our hand right now and say there was a time, I told the, the Ministry of Helps, there was a time that your life needed a miracle. Yeah. How many of you say you woke yeah. up one day and the day before things were good and the next day things were not so good? Yeah. Symptoms showed up? Jobs were lost. Finances were short. I mean, in a moment, everything can change, right? What happened at that moment? You realize, uh, what do I do? So what do you, you go find a place that's going to hear, you're going to hear and get your answer. Protect it as if every day. You're not living in worry and fear, but you're protecting this place that every day. I get, I get miracle words. I get answers. But not only that, protect it because somebody else is coming in that needs a miracle. Amen. That's right. You may have gotten yours, yeah. but what did he say? Follow what I say because you need power so that you can go out. Yes. They got busy and distracted with selfishness of their own life and they missed their time of impartation to go out and be a blessing to somebody else. It wasn't just about them. He wasn't trying to fill them for them. He was trying to fill them For the people that we're gonna need him. He said, I'm leaving. It's all going to you now. Guys, it's all on you, but I'm not gonna leave you by yourself. I'm sending you with the Holy Ghost. And how many, the majority got busy and distracted and they didn't pick up the responsibility in that hearing to say, it's on us. We need that power because Jesus is not here anymore. We gotta do what he says so we can fulfill what he needs. Amen? And then number three. We won't take time to turn there, but over in Genesis, it talks about Lot. We know the story that the blessing was on Abraham. Blessing was on Abraham. Young people, the blessing starts with what your parents did to get you in here, okay? It's on them. It's on you too, but it started with them. It was their choice that they brought you to a place that your life can be blessed. And so, what happened with Lot? Uh, he looks out, and through greed and selfishness, he says, I think I can go my own way. And who was hearing from God? Was Lot or Abraham hearing from God? Abraham. Who was hearing the words and the instruction that had gotten this far? Abraham, not Lot. So what did he do? Through greed and selfishness, he left his place of hearing. And we know how Lot ended up. He lost everything. That's a real telling, eek, real telling sign for us that if we leave our place, if we don't value our place and we think we can do it on our own, what can happen to our lives? I'm, I'm not making any kind of threat. I'm just saying we've got to look and really examine, protect, guard the place. Amen? So, That all being said, we go back to Romans that when we heard, we got saved, right? We heard, we believed, and we called out unto salvation. How we come into the kingdom is how we stay successful in the kingdom. There's no other recipe for success. How we come through hearing, through receiving, through confessing, that's how we stay successful. Very simple. God does not give us another option or another way. Uh, he makes it very easy. How you came is how you stay and how you succeed. He makes it so easy for us. So we've got to protect. We talked last week about this, um, the dangers of offense and being off offended. And remember what we talked about, that offense, the definition, is simply that we perceive something A certain way somebody perceives, the dictionary definition is a perceived, in fact, let me read it to you. Annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult or disregard for oneself or one's standard or principles. Offended means feeling or expressing hurt, indignation or irritation because of a perceived wrong. Offense often comes from something that we perceive one way but was never intended. This is what the devil wants you to do. He wants to perceive in your place. You to perceive in your place of hearing that you don't belong. You don't. You don't need to be there. Somebody's uh, uh, doesn't like you. They don't want you. Uh, they're not friends with you. You're not this. You're not that. What does all that? He's changing your perception through your thought life. Don't let him do that. We see ourselves through the word. We see this place through what God has done for our lives. And There was a time, how many of you say, I came in. I came in here and I was desperate. I needed help. <laughs> and it was my answer place. Once I heard, I knew I was home. I knew I had the help. Protect that place. Guard those voices. Guard we, we protect and we guard the voices in our lives because it's through those voices that we get lifted up and, and brought up higher in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can do uh, what your word says. We're doers of your word. We're not just hearers. But we will leave this place, doers, protecting that which you've brought us into And not only protecting it, but being full participators. Father, we're so grateful for what you've done. We're grateful. I I know that you're working so much in the lives of the people right now. We even look ahead to 2024. And Father, the miracles, signs and wonders and the revelations that you have for us, the demonstrations, the visitations and the impartations that you have for this congregation, we lay hold of those. We say they belong to us. And so we protect this place that you would demonstrate yourself, reveal yourself. Our place of hearing is our most valued place. Faith comes by hearing. We live by faith and we please you by faith. So we protect the place that we can please you the most and we give you praise and glory and thanksgiving and all the honor belongs to you, Father, for what you've worked in our lives. Just lift your hands and thank him for what he's worked for you, what he's done in you, what you've seen him do, how he's shown himself, the time that you didn't know, the time that you couldn't see and now you've come into light, the times that he provided. The job wasn't there and then all of a sudden the door opened up. What you were supposed to struggle with all of your life, you got delivered from. The times when you didn't have enough and all the money came in, the opportunity showed up. He restored back to you. He provided back to you. He put you in your right mind. Give him thanks, give him praise. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We honor the word. We honor our place of hearing. We honor the Holy Ghost that deals with us in that place of hearing, that shows and reveals to us the light that's gonna rescue our lives. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks, it is by your grace, it is by your help, it is by your power, it is by your rescue in our lives. We could have never done it ourselves, never. Lord, don't ever let us forget who we were. We will never forget who we were before you and what our path looked like before we came and we heard about you. Thank you for revealing and letting us hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. To learn more about World Harvest Church, please visit our website at Ministries.org.